Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom to all our viewers, the viewers of TV7. Uh, we are broadcasting here another Middle East review from Jerusalem. And with me, as usual, my colleague and friend, Colonel Reserve, Dr. Eran Lerman. Thank you. How are you? Well, interesting times. Interesting times, yes. In the, I would say, in not in the positive uh, yeah, uh, interpretation. Uh, uh, it's uh, in my the, Chinese friends deny that there is such a curse. They deny but. <laughs> But, uh, well, we have a full uh, program today. First and foremost is Iran. Secondly is Palestinians. And if we have time, something which is of crucial um, interest and um, a factor for security in the future of the Middle East is diplomacy of water. But uh, I hope we'll have time to discuss with that. If not, yeah. this is something that we will, uh, uh, will be with us for the duration. In any case, uh, Iran, we have just learned about uh, another uh, assassination uh, yet in uh, Tehran, downtown Tehran, a colonel, a very senior uh, official of the Al-Quds Force of the Revolutionary Guard, Colonel Khudai, which uh, reportedly was in charge, and he is the one that oversaw all the attempts to assassinate and kidnap Israelis abroad and also to um, to hit Israeli diplomats, whether it was in Istanbul or uh, Ankara or other places. And all of a sudden, the guy is assassinated. Uh, what do you read into it? Well, of course, neither of us is in a, posi- is in a position to confirm or deny uh, Israeli complicity. Um, it reminds me of a situation that, uh, that struck me uh, when Ahmad Mournier uh, met his death in, in Damascus uh, a good well, a time ago. And um, I imagined uh, Inspector Clouseau going in to talk to the widow uh, Mournier and asking her, did the deceased have any enemies? And she goes to fetch the, uh, the phone book of Beirut and the list of member nations of, of the UN. I mean, uh, Mr. Hodiari, I think that was, uh, was his proper name, uh, was uh, involved in many dangerous activities. Uh, but clearly, um, the message implicit in this is, first of all, that uh, the Iranian um, internal affairs are being well monitored from outside. And uh, this goes for the nuclear project as well as the activities of the IRGC. It also says that delisting the IRGC is an absurdity given the nature of IRGC, or specifically Quds Force activities in recent times. It's not as if they have desisted mm-hmm. from acts of subversion and murder. Mm-hmm. 
And it ties in with a story uh, that came a few weeks ago of an Israeli, successful Israeli abduction from within Iran of an IRGC uh, officer who was questioned about certain activities. And it seems like this guy, he is the one who implicated this uh, Colonel Khodirai. Well, the can... one that oversaw the operation. Uh, but what you mentioned uh, is, I don't know if all our viewers remember that, but it was uh, released as a Mossad operation who went into Iran, abducted in Iran, taking to a safe house an operative who was uh, ordered to assassinate Israelis abroad. He confessed uh, in front of the camera uh, to, uh, to get this uh, mission to kill an Israeli diplomat, an American general, and, a, uh, and another uh, Jewish uh, journalist in, in, in Paris, in Berlin, and in, uh, in, in Ankara. And on this uh, video that he was recorded, he implicated this other guy, which all of a sudden, booms, gets assassinated. I mean, this is just like a James Bond. And I don't know if this is for Israel's benefit to, um, to publicize such things. Uh, of course, nobody took responsibility of the assassination of this uh, colonel uh, just uh, this week. But the fact that the Mossad did go and abduct somebody in Tehran, this was released as a uh, official a... news. I mean, is it something that the Mossad should take care of? Is it arrogance, conceit, uh, or, uh, or maybe it's just a psychological warfare? Well, um, under normal conditions, I would say plausible deniability is the, uh, the cornerstone of covert activity. Uh, however, when you go back to the decision to expose the uh, 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 theft, if you wish, uh, the uh, Israel obtaining the Iranian nuclear archive back in 2018. Um, and now the decision, and I think this is a kind of decision that is taken at the highest national level. This is not the Mossad making that decision. It comes uh, from the uh, top political echelon. The decision to tell the story about uh, this abduction and about the IRGC activities, um, clearly it does have a, a psychological eff effect, a, a message. Like Iran is completely penetrated. That is a very important message to the Iranians. Don't presume that you can do certain things, you can plan certain things uh, in the nuclear field or in terms of subversion and, and murder without us knowing about it, without us being able to even take certain actions. Mm -hmm. This is in itself a very important element or, or component Prime Minister of deterrence. Just a few weeks ago, he said with Iran, we're not going to go only after the proxies. We're going to go after the head of the snake itself, which is Tehran and the Ayatollahs in Tehran. And at the same time, he also used, uh, after his uh, first meeting with uh, President Biden, he used the term of the death of a thousand cuts of the Iranian project and, and Iranian, uh, a certain type of Iranian activities, namely that our plan B is not necessarily an all-out kinetic assault on Iranian targets. It may take different shapes. So this is a deterrent. At the same time, I cannot discount the, the uh, assumption that 
the release of that information and whether or not uh, uh, this assassination is related to it are also ways of signaling to uh, those in Washington, both sides of, uh, of Pennsylvania Avenue, that's to say uh, White House decision makers uh, and uh, the internal Congress. debate within the, uh, within the administration and the position uh, in Congress where a good number of um, mainstream Democrats are joining the Republicans in, in opposing the delisting of the IRGC um, as a terrorist organization. So this is basically providing the information that the IRGC is still engaged in terrorism and, uh, and that people at high places within that organization have very recently been involved in terrorist plots. So that sends a signal also to Washington in the midst of, uh, of a crucial debate. But it seems like this uh, front, it seems like uh, there are two fronts now, or maybe three, uh, in this um, war. It may be a stealthy uh, war, but it is really a war between Iran and Israel. One, of course, is on the nuclear project. Second thing is on the uh, IRGC uh, terror uh, activity. And the third one is against the uh, proxies of uh, Iran and their attempt to entrench and bolster their position in Syria and in Lebanon vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the Hezbollah. It has highs and I would, I would add actually a fourth dimension. Cyber. Cyber. Uh, right. So all of this is happening simultaneously. It's a new kind of, uh, of gray zone war, and it is very much uh, ongoing. Um, it requires Israel to step very carefully uh, on the Russian-Ukrainian question because our freedom of action in Syria may be affected. But it is increasingly important for Israel to foil an Iranian attempt to turn Syria into a... Uh, fire, uh, part of the ring of fire around Israel, to borrow a phrase from my colleague, uh, General Ahmed. But it seems so far Israel has the upper hand on this intelligence war. Uh, we have seen great successes, whether it's Israel or not. But with Farah Khazadeh, the, the, the father was definitely of the, uh, a very dramatic. Event. Right, of uh, their nuclear uh, project. Qasem uh, Soleimani, although it was the American, but... According to sources, it was with the uh, intelligence uh, assistance of uh, Israel. Uh, Justice Colonel now that uh, was in charge of uh, operations to uh, abduct and kill Israelis abroad. We see that they get hit quite a few and um, intensive uh, way. They are trying to hit back, but so far with no success. Um such intelligence operations that they've tried to conduct in Israel and have been uncovered, well, of course, you always have to presume that there are others, but those that have been uncovered have been marked, I would say, by very amateurish um, characteristics, uh, trying to, to recruit some, some women to, uh, to get uh, Israelis to tell them about military affairs. Very, very uh, limited capability. Also, their attempts in Cyprus. 
No, nothing compared to, to uh, the uh, clearly mm-hmm. manifested so capabilities of the Mossad. And I'm talking only about what we know, such sure. as the, the nuclear archive. So that brings a question, a deeper question. Maybe all those sanctions, all this pressure, political, economic, and other, on, on the Ayatollahs, does bear fruit in the sense that they don't have the wherewithal, and we see it with the IRC, to really affect very, very sophisticated and, uh, let's say, um, large uh, operations. Well, I would be very careful about uh, underestimating Iranian capabilities. Uh, you know, over, always overestimate your enemies, I think, used, uh, and, uh, and have your enemies underestimate you. Uh, said uh, uh, Don Corleone to his children, and he was right. Now, um, at the end of the day, we do see a strain on Iranian capabilities and a strain on Iranian society. One, uh, as I keep saying, one of the indications was that they had to cut off uh, much of their aid to their own proxies. The Houthis are negotiating to see if something can be settled. Uh, Hezbollah has lost ground in Lebanon. The, the Lebanese elections are a very dramatic uh, turn of events. Um, Hezbollah may count that they still have a, a, an anti-Israeli majority in the, in the Lebanese parliament, but when they say there are 77 anti-Israeli uh, deputies there, it means that there are about 50 who are in them, by their count, pro-Israeli. That's a, a very dramatic turn of events in the Lebanon, which was very hostile. They lost a lot of ground, largely because, because they Iran- cannot offer the Lebanese exactly. people what they could. Iran cannot ship uh, containers of uh, dollars anymore to the Hezbollah. Yes, the financial pipeline has... So there, I think up. there is a point here to continue the pressure. So I think that here Israel does have a point vis-a-vis the United States and the, the, the rest of the, the P5 plus uh, one. And as uh, the uh, negotiations on the Iranian nuclear deal in Vienna are stalled, we see an increased maybe pressure by Israel. And we have just uh, learned uh, about these chariots of fire a uh, A major IDF exercise, which includes a clear Iranian uh, scenario. Right. And maybe this also is for uh, the people in Washington, especially in the Pennsylvania 1601, the one side of Pennsylvania, which is the White House, uh, to... uh, And even more so for people across the river. (laughs) Right, in the Pentagon. The two great institutions across the river, and particularly the Pentagon, where I believe... Uh, from the little we can glean about the internal debate, uh, the American Defense Department, having seen many of its soldiers in the field in Iraq murdered over the years mm-hmm. with the help of Iranian uh, mil- mil- pro-Iranian militias with Iranian devices and so on, uh, is not keen to uh, to uh, go ahead with the, this delisting of the IRGC. Yeah. Which is uh, quite uh, frustrating. Um, it's amazing that at every crucial juncture before a political decision, whether with the IRGC to take it off the list or uh, some uh, important points of negotiations in Vienna, we see some events that embarrass the Ayatollahs. 
Uh, one of them was, if you recall, Iran, uh, I think it was almost a year ago, when Al-Qaeda senior operative was killed, assassinated in Tehran. In Tehran, indicating that he was enjoying Iranian hospitality. Exactly. And again, to, in, in, and that also embarrassed them vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Washington, which ISIS is their, uh, yep. seat as their mortal enemy. They found a way to embarrass Israel in return, indirectly, by being, I think, a very important element, not the only element, but a very important element in inciting a wave of terror and, and violence over the Temple Mount. The Iranian uh, interest in disrupting the emergence of a regional alignment of forces, the Negev summit of the six of the US with Israel and four Arab countries, the tripartite summit of MBZ, who is now ruler of, uh, but has become now ruler, full uh, official ruler of the UAE, and Sisi and Bennett in, in Sharm el So the Iranians were looking at, at uh, a, a, this emerging alignment, and they were looking for a way, I believe, not only they, but uh, radical Palestinians as well, looking for a way uh, to generate a disruption. To some extent, they've succeeded. The world attention went off to Jerusalem, went off to the uh, tragic accidental death of a, an Al Jazeera uh, woman journalist. People mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. absurdly, really absurdly accused Israel of, of assassinating her. Shirin Abu Akleh. Shirin Abu Akleh. I mean, uh, it, I, I cannot fully discount that she may have uh, been hit by a stray Israeli bullet. In all likelihood, it was a Palestinian bullet. The Palestinians still refused to hand over the bullet to an, uh, an objective, objective uh, inquiry. But... The idea that we would be anyone in Israel, soldier or, or, or official, would be uh, stupid enough to actually order the assassination of a, a prominent well, uh, journalist—it's it, it, absurd. It is a blood libel, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the, there has been a, a successful, to some extent, successful effort by radical Islamist elements, to some extent colored by by the Iranians, to divert attention away from the emergence of an anti-Iranian camp in the region. Yeah, and um, we quite uh, naturally moved from the Iranian uh, issue to the Palestinian issue, which shows how everything is all tied together. And with Iran, we have to wait and see, uh, especially what will happen in, uh, in Vienna. I'm not sure that uh, Israel can uh, tolerate an agreement as it is drafted now, which is no stronger and longer as Biden promised during his campaign and later after he came into the White House. It seems like it's shorter and uh, weaker. I think Israel uh, uh, made no, uh, uh, I would say, efforts to hide its uh, frustration and that uh, it is getting ready to take care of it even by itself if indeed the no other interests are, um, or if Iran becomes uh, very close to uh, the point of no return with a bomb. And uh, meanwhile, of course, we have uh, the intelligence war, cyber war, and the incitement. And here Iran also is using uh, proxies, whether it's uh, Hamas, whether are the uh, Islamist uh, movements, including here um, in Israel. And you're right, they were really poking the fire and they realized that uh, Al-Aqsa, Temple Mount, is, I would say, the most 
uh, radioactive, if I may say, uh, not radioactive like the Iranian bomb, but uh, in terms of uh, explo- political explosiveness and, and violence. And, um, and this is what has really brought about, at the end of the day, uh, the death of the uh, Al Jazeera um, journalists. In, in clashes with in clashes terrorist with, with terrorists in Jenin. And we have to remember, and all those who accuse Israel, and Israel was, I think, was very fair by saying, we're not sure we, uh, you know, who did it. Let's do a forensic, a real forensic investigation. For that, we need the bullet. The Palestinians have the bullet. Bring us the bullet. Let's do it together. Give the bullets to the Americans to investigate. Of course, the Palestinians don't want to do it, which raises two questions. Either they realize that they are the ones who killed her, or they use it to, uh, um, again, to embarrass Israel, to uh, stoke fire in its uh, political campaign against uh, Israel, PR, political war. Uh, what have you. In any case, uh, I think that uh, the international community, especially in Washington, should realize that the Palestinians are the ones that should bear the brunt of the pressure. And certainly uh, not Israel. It's not our way to uh, to hurt anyone who's not involved, let alone uh, uh, journalists. The operation in Jenin, which uh, comes almost uh, every night in order to prevent and preempt terror attacks, came after a wave of terror in our streets, in uh, Tel Aviv, in Bnei Brak, originating from this part originated, of the Exactly. Uh, 19 Israelis were killed, butchered uh, by Palestinian uh, terror, which was incited either by uh, Hamas, uh, by Iranian, by Hezbollah. And unfortunately, we have uh, one factor which is not mentioned, and this is the Palestinian Authority. Most of the, uh, if not all, the uh, terrorists come out of the territory yeah, yeah, yeah. under the rule, at least officially, uh, of the Palestinian Authority, whether it's Janine or others. Weaker and they are nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Which, again, uh, tested to the weakness uh, of, the, of the authority, to the grip of the uh, Hamas and the radicals uh, over and the young uh, West Bank. Well, we saw the uh, uh, election results at the University of Bezait. Absolutely. Which, which again, shows... To power everyone, of why a, not only a Palestinian state cannot be in the offing, it's going to be a terror state, a failed state, and nobody can afford that. But uh, we will have to brace for uh, what's happening because the Palestinian Authority is uh, not a partner for anything at this point, unfortunately. And um, we know that uh, Abu Mazen, 86 and counting, uh, is not only weak uh, politically, but also physically. And probably uh, there could be a lot of... Um, the positioning pos- for the... for position, yes. Yeah, the positioning for the succession has already probably could be already very been, violent as well. It could be. Still, we do have a, an interest in conflict management with the PA, and we have the tools for it, uh, which include uh, security cooperation, economic integration. They are, they are, it's, it's a very complicated uh, mixed bag of measures. Uh, the use of force, where the PA is not strong enough to, to deliver on terrorism, and some inducement, because we do want normal life to continue. It's the same kind of thing that we have with the uh, the Jordanians have come in very violently in language against Israeli because activities Hamas in Jerusalem. and the Muslim Brotherhood are also very strong in Jordan as and, well. Uh, and the regime feels 
threatened. At the same time, since you mentioned water diplomacy, uh, Israel does have a, well, uh, tools of influence uh, insofar as, uh, paradoxically, while our uh, rainfall has been declining over the last 50 years, um, Israel is less and less in need of, uh, of, of water as a natural resource because we desalinate and reuse more water than, than anywhere else. Um, we are, well, those of, uh, of our viewers who may be familiar with the book or, or the film Dune, uh, unlike the locals of that planet, we do not yet desiccate the dead. Huh. But we do use some 90% of, our, of, Israel, of water in Israel go back uh, for mm-hmm. reusage in, in agriculture and so on and so forth. Which means we have reserves and even uh, um, surplus water to share with our Jordanian neighbors. Um, and the result is that this is a, one of, the, together with gas and with uh, trade through Haifa, uh, we have, um, let's say, foundational elements of a relationship. And we would, I would strongly recommend to countries which for many years, like Egypt or or Iraq were used to the free flow of waters and now are facing challenges uh, from uh, dam builders uh, um, upstream to basically look at Israeli technologies of, of reuse and desalinization uh, in order to, uh, to generate an alternative to uh, the same as the Gulf. And, uh, we have made our uh, technologies uh, available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it could be actually uh, an element of cooperation rather than of rivalry. Yes, as uh, actually uh, Israel today not only enjoys a uh, strategic, military, economic, uh, technological superiority over its uh, enemies, and uh, it's a good thing, and I hope we will always keep that. We always have to be on our, our, on our toes. Uh, unfortunately, but also we have today two cards. One of them you mentioned, which is the water, and we have actually doubled the amount of water we give Jordan every year from 50 uh, million cubic meters to 100 million cubic meters, which helps a lot to stabilize the regime of King uh, Abdallah. And the other cl- uh, card that we have is also natural gas that we have in our economic waters in the the the. Mediterranean, Mediterranean, which uh, we are also supplying to uh, Egypt, uh, Jordan, and now we are in negotiations with uh, Europe to get uh, gas from Israel through Jordan to Europe, uh, through uh, through Egypt Egypt to uh, Europe as a substitute to the uh, to the oil of uh, yeah vi- uh, via the, the liquefaction uh, exactly the LNGs in uh, in uh, in, Egypt. in Egypt. So. Um, I think that uh, as we near uh, the end of the program, we have discussed, uh, I would say, the three major elements of threat in the region. One is Iran. Secondly, is terror and the Palestinian. And thirdly, is water availability. And uh, I recall, Iran, that we discussed when we saw the Abraham Accord come about, which is a good thing, uh, we realized that one of the reasons for all the Gulf countries to come to Israel is not only the threat from Iran, but it's also the technology of Israel in terms of securing their food, water, energy. So with this, uh, we will hope, note. We'll hope that uh, we will continue 
to help the region. Thank you very much to all our viewers. Until the next Middle East Review. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.